As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's the Round Ball Rock Podcast. Starring Dave Schilling, Scott Burrow, David Wingate, Joey Devine, Patrick Dropniak, Matt Geiger, Sean Keen, Jose Calderon, special guest John Wilms, Gerald Wilkins, other special guest, Lewis Keen, Uwe Plob, musical guest, men without hats, and now the temporary, temporary host of Round Ball Rock, Sean Keen. Hey everybody, welcome to Round Ball Rock. Uh, I am your temporary temporary host sean keen joey divine is away on an, on an amazing destination wedding weekend in the bay area uh he is not getting married sorry ladies uh but with me we have two amazing guests we have all the way from from michigan john Wilms is here john say hi hey i just i just want to take this opportunity to actually proclaim myself the, the permanent host of round ball rock yeah, I congrat- know look- congratulations to john wilms uh you know, I know you've been for a one we have for a while and um yeah i mean it's great uh congratulations wilms also uh making his debut appearance on the round ball rock podcast from a very shady spot somewhere in los angeles it's lewis keen How's it going, everybody? I just want to say that the uh, 
shade provided by this palm tree is exceptional. This is such an L.A. I love how L.A. centric it got. You're, you're literally under a palm tree. It's fantastic. Uh, this is also the most Keens we have ever had on a podcast. Uh, tying the time my mom briefly called in and did uh, a Chris Paul impression. Unfortunately, my mom's Chris Paul impression is uh, mostly nonverbal, so that's was not that great. It was not wonderful podcast content, I would say. Is it is it post game Chris Paul or is it during game Chris Paul where his voice is like three octaves higher? Yeah, it. Uh, all she does is put her hands on her hip and pretend like she's complaining <laughs> to an official, and then she goes, "Hey." <laughs> Which is also that that's the entire impression. So uh I think I would die to see this. It sounds incredible. Yeah, I mean my mom is also uh four foot eleven, used to be a preschool teacher and uh more often than not is wearing like uh some kind of vest indicating like what holiday month you're in. So, I mean, the fall is when it really picks up. Like, my mom's waiting for October 1st because she can then bust out the reversible uh, Halloween vests. So, differences between her and Chris Paul are that she's a little taller. A little bit. And, and it certainly has better uh, fashion sense. I would say my mom uh, whines even more in the face of adversity, I would say. Uh <laughs> She's she's mainly thwarted by uh, my father, who is not named. Well, actually, no. I guess he. I guess my dad does have a PhD, so technically he is a doc. So, oh yeah, geez. just bragging about my overeducated family. No, it's only weird because <laughs> for some reason my dad's job title is chief now, but he's not like chief. He's not like a cop. He's not like a yeah. He's not in law enforcement. He just works for. A power company but he's he's not like a chief executive officer his his just title is just chief they call and, him chief keen um i guess they just recently started calling him dr keen even mm. though he dr. Has... Keen is my dad dr. Your dad keen. can be chief keen but my dad is definitely dr keen is your dad a medical doctor yeah he's a, yeah, he's that, a pediatrician yeah my dad has my dad it's ridiculous because we all laugh at my dad when he refers to himself as Dr. Keen. So he's been shamed out of it, but I think he got, for some reason at work, they call him Dr. Keen now, and that's ridiculous. What kind that's of a crazy? What kind of a doctor is your dad? He's a pediatrician. No, oh, that's, that's the, like the best kind of doctor to be, I would say. Right, it's like the it's like the worst kind of doctor for making money. <laughs> oh yeah, but... absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the best for uh, always being on call. Oh great, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a good trade off, I think. Give up uh, some like... money, but give up some money, but then also be on call all the time. It's like I, it's a good trade off, I yeah. think. It's really great. It's really nice, and he always picks up the phone and says, "Hi, it's Doctor Keen," and that's like that is. Like burned into my brain, like when my dad picked up the phone. Guys, it's just—I just want to say—it's crazy to be, you know, caught up in the gears of this keen machine here today. Yeah, I'm glad you're. Are you, are you, you strapped in? Are you okay with this this roller coaster of keen that's going on? It's a, it's a lot of fucking keen. The keen's coming fast. It's coming in my face. Um, but I'm, I'm ready for it. I mean, it's a big, it's a big load. A little yeah. bit of keen geography going on. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> um, 
Wilms, you are in Michigan right now? Yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. Looking looking out a window at a, a bunch of friends in in a pool and uh and you're podcasting. This is like Yeah. It's like you have like a broken leg at camp almost right now. <laughs> it's pretty much like that, yeah. Did you say I there mean, was there's a dog in the pool too? There's a small dog named <sighs> Bell floating on a raft in the pool right now. That's so barking great. a lot. Well, yeah, the, that's the, the barking that's a good part, scene. but dog on a raft, kind of unbeatable. It sounded like there was going to be a, a major relationship event on this trip. Has that occurred? It has. Yeah, that that went that went smoothly. So, was everyone there? I, I was. Yeah, I. So I didn't really know what was going to go down. Right. This is one of my best friends um, was proposing. Right. And I, I knew that it was going to go down Friday night, but I was the only one, literally, except for the his now fiance, who, like, didn't know, like, the sequence of events. And we're, like, driving up to this, like, early Friday evening, we're, like, driving up to this uh, cabin in Michigan. And the, the plan was that he was going to get to the house and all of her friends are in the dark. And, uh, and he proposes to her. And then they, it's like, surprise, we're all here. Uh-huh. But I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> and I came up on the drive with the couple who is now engaged. Oh. <laughs> and I just, like, followed them into, like, the house and briefed and saw John, my friend, on his knee. And I was like, whoa, like, this seems like kind of a private moment. And I didn't, know, I didn't even know that all the friends were in the dark. And then I'm just standing out in the yard for a while, and then I hear everybody going crazy. You see the lights go on. Wait, so it was the two of them, and then you were just right there, and it was the three of you? Well, I for like a, a hot second, I went in the door, and I, I saw him on his knee for like a hot second. I was like, oh, shit. And I just backed away. And uh... Are you going to be in the pictures? <laughs> no, I mean, they're at the pictures. I don't know. Um, no, no, so... I won't be. So you were more surprised, like it was a surprise engagement, but you were the surprisee. Okay, so the thing about it is, the my friend Anna is very um, inquisitive and very like you can't really slide anything by her, um, and so that was the hardest part about it for him was making sure it was a surprise. And my not knowing what the fuck was going on, I think like distracted her and made it harder for her to figure out what was going on. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that was by design. It just sort of worked out that way. But there was, like, a bunch of food here, too. But, like, the way that, like, my friend was describing, lying, describing the situation in order to keep it a surprise was that, like, oh, they haven't even started making dinner yet, you know, which was a lie. <laughs> and uh, and I was like, oh, we better stop and get some McDonald's or something. Yeah, yeah. like So, like... <laughs> so I made a stop and eat McDonald's, like, like 10 minutes before the proposal, basically. <laughs> We're just like jamming nuggets in our face in a car ride. And there's like, like a really nice meal waiting for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you're like, Absolutely. let me, I yeah. gotta just get this garbage into my body as fast yeah. as I can. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so how do you feel about the surprise engagement in general? I kind of I kind of think that's better than the surprise party, actually. Yeah. Well, all engagements are like surprise engagements. Yeah, I guess I mean, you mean surprise. You mean surprise as far as like having a bunch of people there. Yeah, in in the like like people actually like 
revealing themselves in a surprising way, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, in this, I go case by case. In this case, it's been awesome because it happened right away. And then the whole rest of the weekend has just been like a victory lap and like a big time party. Ah, that's great. Yeah. It's been wildly celebratory, I might say. I have to say, it's weird that NBA games have, it feels like only in the last five years have started doing the fake failed proposal thing as like no, that's, time out. That's oh, yeah. Those stadium gags are, there's one they do um, in Chicago at Bulls games sometimes where they like, uh, they do like a kiss cam, like a fake thing where like a woman like refuses to kiss a man on the kiss cam or something and they try to get it to go viral. Uh-huh. Um, and it ha- it worked like once. Um, yeah. There's also like a, a popcorn. There's like a popcorn thing. I don't even remember how that goes, but it's like this guy like spilling popcorn all over everyone. I mean, um, Chicago I, has a vibrant improv community, so I feel like that would go really well at a Bulls you would, game. You would think so, but that's how Del Close got his start. Actually, pretending to vomit up pizza onto uh, Norm Van Leer during a game. Is this true? No, I, I was just trying to name an old bull and an improviser in the same sentence. <laughs> Dude, Storm and Storm and Norm, we you know we miss him. We respect we respect his uh, his ghost over here. I think if anything, the stadium should like lean into the artifice of the stadium proposal and do like elaborate setups that lead to them saying yes and then still have it be fake. Yeah, I mean, why? That seems yeah. Like like just a dumb fake fight that turns into a proposal or like <laughs> yes get the mask involved it doesn't have it could be the same people every game deep fake proposals yeah they have you know the stadiums uh, do these fake stunts like they do it you know they have like the fake Clipper fan at mm-hmm. Grizzlies games who gets like body slammed or whatever um, they should just they you know stadiums should just do more and more fake shit because that's the only way you can save the real stadium proposal because now everyone sees like the stadium proposal and grounds, you know, yeah, because yeah. like, Oh, you should do this any other way, which like, I, whatever. I think it's fine. But if they start doing fake ones everywhere, then the person who's getting proposed to doesn't even know if they're acting in their own movie or whether this is true love, you know? Yeah, totally. I think they should do hologram proposals. <laughs> like, I don't think the people should even be real. <laughs> just, just these avatars are are up there, or or like deep, everybody deep proposes the Tupac, the Tupac from Coachella. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, now that you guys were talking about it, like the um, potentials for you know stadium gags to like subvert and sort of mix up our sense of reality, it's like it's deep. I think we should get, we should really explore this. Yeah, I th- I think they could really have like they always have. Is is it the Celtics who have the the fake spontaneous dancing guy, which has now been like picked up by every team? Oh yeah, yeah, everybody does that shit. Like now. A li- li- yeah, uh, but what if you do that thing and the guy fakes like a terrible fall down the stairs? Like you think it's just going to be him like dancing ridiculously? Yeah, but an experienced <laughs> stuntman takes a tumble <laughs> and then you know like living on a prayer keeps playing. And and he's just prone on the ground for like fifteen seconds. And then the game just starts again because they don't know what to do. He has a fake seizure. Yeah, they're just like, ah, we gotta get him. This man was going into shock. 
It's like, what, what? You uh, bought a ticket. You the game a... experience should just be way more fake. Yeah. Like, every, you know, it should be really, you know, materially different from watching it on TV where, like, you see this entirely, you know, additional story that goes with each game. Mm-hmm. Like, the Vegas Golden Knights, like, kind of did this with their, like, elaborate pregame intros. But I'd like to see that, you know, more fully imagined over the next four quarters. Now, did they did they do that just because they're they're Vegas, so everything should have really high production value like that, or is it just um, just really yeah, probably. I mean, that was probably part of it, and the ability to start from scratch is like really liberating. You know, oh, yeah. stadiums like they don't like taking risks, but I feel like Russia would pull this off. Like, um, I feel like anywhere in Russia would be really good at this. There was that guy. Um, it's like Putin's second in command, um, Vladislav Surkov is his name. And he's like this theater major who rose to be Vladimir Putin's like second in command. And his, his whole gig is like penetrating like liberal and conservative, uh, like groups and donating money and basically, uh, creating this massive political theater um, uh, or and orchestrating it financially, and I feel like if we bring that back to the NBA and have you know these overseers turn games into more rigged um, and more uh, highly produced um, entertainment products, that could really bring in a whole new uh, level of fandom. Yeah, you should be leaving a stadium legitimately confused about what just happened. Oh yeah, yeah. Like like somewhat somewhat confused, like a little bit upset, um you know, maybe maybe it's very positive, but just in general it's unsettling. Yeah. Uh, One speaking of um watching society happen uh in stadiums. There was a time I went to a bowl. I was this was like the post Jordan Bowls. It's probably like 2001 or something. Um I was at a game and that was a time where I was going to so many games because my dad's company has always had tickets, but like everybody wanted them, you know. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, nobody wanted them, <laughs> and and it was just like, hey, uh, John, you want to go watch Khalid El Amin play again tonight? And I'd be like, yeah, I love Khalid El Amin. Let's get wasn't it. Jamal, yeah. Wasn't Jamal Crawford on those teams? He was on one of them. Yeah, Elton Brand. Um, I mean, I lo- I I've. I love the shitty bowls, honestly. It's more fun than the good bowls. Um, <laughs> but anyway, there was this kid who, like, during a timeout and they're playing some sort of rock music, and it's like, hey, time to dance, everyone. Uh, maybe you'll get on the Megatron. This little kid, like, got in the, like, stairway area, you know, and, like, grabbed, like, a, a handrail and started dancing on it, and it started getting kind of, he was like a little boy, and it got, like, a little a little strippery. Uh-huh. He just got, like, he got, like, little... <laughs> into it and his dad like ran over and was like no and like grabbed him <laughs> and i just remember seeing that like wow fuck up like just let him, let him dance you know let kid dance <laughs> so yeah that that's a good element to the the fictional nba live game universe is the well, uh somewhat now, like, homophobic father Yes. <laughs> now I'm wondering whether that was real. Yeah, so right. Was an act. You never was know. He an actor? <laughs> I saw. I saw 
an absolutely awful fake proposal at an A's game once where the guy asked, um, I'll be your pitcher. Will you be my catcher? And then the girl just like didn't answer for 30 seconds. And then the intern was, Oh yeah. And he, he, so they, they just give you a mic at the A's game. And at one point when she was not answering, he had to get off the knee and he walked up to her and went, you have to say yes. Everyone's watching. You have to say yes. (laughs) It was really awkward. And again, could have been fake. Could have been an actor. Could have been an improviser. Um, let's get to the news real fast. This is Round Ball Rock News. Basketball news. For humans and robots. Trust the process. Alright, so the first one, uh, we talk about this guy a lot on the podcast Marquise Chris is leaving, uh, a.k.a. The Ride. Um, he is going to Houston. Marquise Chris was a uh, lottery pick two years ago. He is so fun to watch. I would say probably really frustrating to watch if he's on your team, but he's literally always doing something. Often it's really bad, but, uh, yeah, like we, we I, I've seen him get into a fight in a summer league game, I've seen him drain like a thirty footer. I've seen him airball a ten footer. Um, he had like the best dunk I've ever seen at summer league, but uh, he landed it like four seconds after the buzzer. Uh, he's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> and I think uh, the, yeah, I think the most descriptive Marquise Chris statistic is that he shoots like seventy percent on dunks. Yeah, which like is... he, le- he leads the league in missed dunks by dozens over the last couple of years. Yeah, like like Marquise Chris plays like I imagine I would play if like overnight I had Marquise Chris's body, and so <laughs> you know like you know, like he should be working on positioning and ball skills, but like if I woke up as Marquise Chris, I'd be like, great, I'm gonna dunk all the time. From everywhere. That's all I'm gonna try to do. Like, like, why would I develop a post game? Like, I could, I could dunk. Like, he, uh, he also often plays like, um, like you have a video game controller with kind of like a loose cord that sometimes just like stops moving <laughs> for a couple seconds. You know, I think he's gonna be uh, awesome for the Rockets. I don't know if he's gonna make them better, but he's gonna make them more fun to watch. Yeah, I'm I'm way into this. So the so the trade was Marquise Chris and uh Brandon Knight, the uh point guard who uh is coming back Every, from ACL. Everyone hates him. I think Marquise Chris is gonna be a disaster in Houston. I don't know what you guys uh <laughs> are seeing in him. He's gonna give Chris Paul an aneurysm by like game three. Uh, like Chris Paul was that Chris Paul was like that upset about playing with DeAndre Jordan, who's like sort of with it. Mm-hmm. Marquise Chris, like, quits after one play not getting the ball. <laughs> he quits so quickly. Uh, I, I can't imagine it working out well, but I, I do think it'll be entertaining. Yeah, I could I could see Chris Paul, like, really breaking him psychologically. Um, Joey Devine said his future is going to be to uh, start a fight in, like, a Filipino professional league in three years from now, and that seems that seems right, like... 
like a riot and just like a, a giant brawl where he, you know, uses like a chair or someplace, uh, some, some like unfair fighting equipment during the whole thing. Um, do, you, but, do you think Dragon Bender's career is going to take off now that he and Chris have been separated? I mean, I think I think it'll be good for Dragon Bender because it's it, that that's a rough twosome to go forward. Like two guys who both they're like are conjoined like pretty, busts. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they're both kind of playing the wrong position, and it's the same position. And I mean, Marquis Cruz is weird because he was like a really really good uh, like thirteen and fourteen year old. Uh, basket uh, sorry a uh, football player and baseball player and i guess he broke his collarbone at that point his mom was just like that's it no more football ever and so he like reluctantly started playing basketball like like hadn't played basketball before he was like 14 and so i wonder if he just hates basketball like he he makes money doing it and like got to got a lot of opportunities but really wants to be like like Jimmy Graham, basically. Uh, yeah, I think that the Chris Paul is definitely going to accelerate his Andrew Bynum arc. Yeah, and he's he's like he's from Sacramento. I feel like Houston is kind of like a giant Sacramento in a way. Like 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 it's a lot bigger, but culturally there's a lot of similarities. I would say. Uh, but yeah, I guess Houston mainly did this so they could dump. Ryan Anderson's contract, and the price was they threw in a recent second-round pick, USC point guard, uh, D'Anthony Melton, who people seem to like in Summer League, but, uh, you know, he was like the 45th pick in the draft. Um, so, yeah, it really seems like uh, the Houston mainly did this for salary reasons, and I guess Brandon Knight is... Uh, a backup point guard who isn't Michael Carter Williams too. He's a cla- he's a classic, uh, quote unquote, distressed asset, Brandon Knight. Yeah, yeah. This is this is very yeah. much. Yeah, like he's like, like a talented player who everyone hates because he is not a good teammate, really. Um, but I think that he could be a, an amazing sub on a good Where- team. What did you hear about him being a, a bad teammate? What I've heard about him is that he's just like really quiet and kind of introverted. Oh, I don't mean like a bad guy. I just mean like on the on the court. He's... Well, he like died for DeAndre Jordan on that LU back in the day. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that was amazing. It's it's it was so unfair that he got a bunch of crap for that too. No, it wasn't. He got like literally killed in the biggest dunk in NBA history. Oh yeah, yeah. I just mean like. I just mean like it's it was an incredible play by DeAndre Jordan. I just mean like Brandon Wright could have just run away. Like he's it's not He should know, have run away. Just, yeah, he probably should have. Like he's Brandon Knight, he's not Ben Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> he had no chance in a million years to stop DeAndre. Like what he did was a legitimately bad basketball play. <laughs> Is that do you think that broke him psychologically a little bit? I think it's been long enough now, but at least for a few years it yeah, that was that, that was what he was. That was but there was a, like a series a of like Brandon Knight bad plays, like the Kemba Walker All Star Game deal, where like Kemba Walker made him fall over oh, on like yeah, a crossover in the sad. rookie game. That was really sad. I had this sense I had been defending him for a while. Uh, Mister Mister Joey Devine does not like him, and Joey was correct. Like he he doesn't really 
pass very much, but he's not really a good shooter, and he's kind of small. Uh, he's he's not good at a lot of things. I don't really understand why he got such a large contract. I guess it's because he, he went the to the Suns. Phoenix Suns, yeah. Who? Well, well, the reason he got a big contract was because they traded that Lakers pick for him uh-huh. when he was going to be a free agent that off season. So, if they didn't resign him, then they would have traded that pick, quote unquote, for nothing. Uh huh. So agents always have like more leverage in those negotiations, but also Phoenix Suns like really liked his defense. Like they, he projected really well defensively, I guess, because he has some length or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And when he was in Milwaukee, he put up like good defensive numbers, but it was an overpay, you know. And also, this it's the Phoenix Suns, like you said. So. Yeah, it was this weird time too, where they just they had like four or five uh, Kentucky guards on the roster all at once. Like, like Calipari was giving, no, they seriously had like, it's like Devin Booker, Brandon Knight, Archie Goodwin. uh, Bledsoe. Oh yeah, that's right. They had Bledsoe. Uh, Yeah. Tyler Eulis. Tyler Eulis. That's right. And that's five guards. That's not five guys on the roster. It's like, no, five of our six guards are going to be from the university of Kentucky. And it was also so they had Bledsoe and Knight at the same time, so they thought that that was going to be like an incredible defensive backcourt. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and the previous year they had like overachieved and had come really close to making the playoffs. So like the Phoenix Suns' mindset was like trying to become the eight or seven seed based uh-huh. off of like a really strong backcourt. But then they also had Isaiah Thomas. Right. Well, they had so, Goran or they Drogic. had Dragic. They had yeah, Dragic. Yeah. That's right. And then they signed then, Isaiah because he was cheap, but like, <laughs> it was very strange. Yeah, the guys just didn't get along. I mean, that, that was the the issue was that those three guards didn't want to make it work. Yeah, and none of those three is like actually that good. I think Brandon Knight is probably the least overrated of those three. Like, I think Goran, I think Goran Dragic is not that good. This is, just like, this is like a true rogues gallery of players who make me sad. Oh, of 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 Bledsoe Knight and uh Mark Marquis Chris. Marquise Chris. I mean like Dragic, Isaiah Thomas. Uh-huh. Brandon Knight probably he might make me more sad than any uh, NBA player. Um, Carter Williams makes me more sad. If you guys Knight. read that story that uh, our good friend Alex Sakeg wrote for Vice about OJ Mayo. It's called oh. like the it's called like the ineffable the incalculable ineffable bummerness of OJ Mayo, and it's basically just a story about how depressing OJ Mayo is. And um, our our friend David Roth, uh, then working advice, edited the story, and you know posted it and he emailed Alex back and he was like, "Your story really depressed me, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like put me in a dark place." And like there was. Brandon Brandon Knight is in the same genre for me. I'm glad that nobody's really dug deep on how sad they could make me with like really profiling him. Did did that happen before or after he got the the two year suspension? Before. Oh, so it was right? God, and so it got yeah, sadder I think basically I think so. after that. Yeah, I think so. He's responsible for uh, Lil Romeo's brief career as a uh, scholarship athlete at USC, I believe. Oh, no, that's DeRozan. I'm sorry. I 
That's right. Sorry, he's DeMar DeRozan's friend. Um, this... Carter, Carter Williams was so good his rookie year, mm-hmm. and people are like, oh, like obviously his career didn't turn out well because he couldn't shoot, but he was just a completely different player, and he, all of his athleticism just went away um, his second season, and that's why he's not good. I don't think he's not good because he can't. Because he can't shoot. I think he's just not good because he can't. Yeah. Well, he like, he's not as shoot. fast or he can't jump as much as he used to. I just remember there being uh, some point during his second year with Philly where uh, he just really – the I think that the tanking of the process really got to him. And I think there was something like the coach was like, you got to hustle, man. And they were down like 30 and he pointed to the scoreboard <laughs> and was like, like you guys aren't hustle. even – <laughs> like you guys aren't even drafting lottery picks who are going to play within the next eighteen months. Like what? What are we even doing here? Uh, and then they sort of like they, yeah. to get a job. Uh, he yeah. Like I'm I'm not as down on him in Houston too. Also, uh, if you've got a guy that can't shoot, it's sort of okay that that guy's the point guard. You know what I mean? Like because there's no. Right. It's not the same kind of like gravity thing. Um, they spread they spread them there in Houston. Spread them and weep, son. Yeah, that's what uh, that's what Michael's gonna be doing. Throwing them to those spread out, you know, butter knife style spread out shooters. He can still like I don't know. He can't really create shots for himself either. I mean, he's just bad. But um, I have like a a sort of probably uh, foolish faith. In the Rockets, like this, this is the moves they've made this summer. Or it's, it's genuinely hard to see how they're not going to be at least a little bit worse. Um, yeah, but I, I also like have I like Maury to me is like the one who I geek out about in terms of like who's a good GM and shit. I'm like, oh, he knows what he's doing. Trust him. Like that's just my sense of pretty much well, every move he makes. Well, yeah. So, so in this one. I mean, the the Rockets, I really think that bad contracts in the NBA are super overstated because, first of all, it's like a really easy armchair GM thing to just look at all the salaries and be like, well, they got this, and you can figure out the tax. But, like, all these teams that are supposedly in, like, luxury tax and salary cap health seem like they get out of it pretty easily. Like, there was all this stuff at the beginning of the offseason about how the Oklahoma City Thunder had like a $300 million luxury tax bill. And now it's like that bill, that, that luxury tax bill has been cut by like 85%. And in the course of doing it, it was like, well, what did it cost them to get out of those horrible contracts? It was like, well, a first round pick four years from now. And, uh, and they have to add Dennis Schroeder, which, which actually helps them. So, uh, it like Ryan Anderson, people kept talking about how his contract was immovable, and it was like, well, no, like they they just moved it, uh, and that happens all the time. With like every time somebody says a contract's untradeable, it's like, well, no, they are. Like every NBA contract is actually tradable. Uh, Gilbert Arenas got traded on his contract, you know. So, uh, but yeah, Ryan Anderson gave up. Five and a half million dollars uh, on next year's salary, just so he could get traded to Phoenix. Which uh, I want to talk about this a little more when we talk about Lou Dang, but it yeah. does kind of feel like he was being kidnapped by his own team and forced to like ransom himself. 
Yeah, it's an alarming trend for sure. Like, like just it. It feels like actually that should be more of a labor issue than it is. Like, like the dudes are just <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, you can either sit on the bench and not play in your career, or you can give us, you know, multiple millions of dollars. Even though, in both cases, it's the exact same front office that signed these guys. You know, it's not like there's a yeah. new team no. in Phoenix that was like, we got to get rid of these guys. It's like, no, you you traded for this guy and you signed for his extent, you know. It, it, yeah. It's a bit of regulatory capture because, like, the whole idea of the stretch provision was that you wouldn't have to do this, like, mm-hmm. buyout thing. But now it's just, like, another tool in the bag to, like, allow them to buy out and get away with even more. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and that's why I would I would say... You know he gets ra- he gets ragged on a lot, but props to Carmelo Anthony for getting every penny of that contract, and in fact, getting like two million extra because he got his full salary and a buyout and a new contract. Like, yeah, he, he made didn't get the, two and a half million short or whatever. Uh, I think Atlanta gave him the whole thing, or at least that uh-huh. was the reporting when the trade happened. Because uh, I think I think they just didn't have any leverage. Where Melo was like, yeah. I'll- like you can buy me out now, or you're eventually going to cut me. So, you know, you know who's still collecting checks though. Who's it's that? Josh Smith from the Detroit Pistons. <laughs> Amazingly, who, like, like Stan Van Gundy could not have done that in a worse way, but he just hated collecting <laughs> Josh Smith that much that he cut him with three years left on his deal, two years left on his deal. Yeah, and then I guess they stretched him later on. That's why he still get. Well, I'm yeah, actually not sure. Him. They stretched him later on. Yeah, no, they they eventually did stretch him because he's like on their cap forever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know how um, the Wire, the television program, is about um, well, at least the first season, generally about these cops who um, like did their job too well, and then they ended up like getting you know, assigned to a ostensibly do nothing department for it. It's like, yeah. Oh, we're, ba- we're burying you. Oh yeah. And it's, that's kind of like what happens to these players, right? Like Ryan Anderson, Lowell Dang, where it's like, Oh, well, Hey, it's 2014 or whatever year. And you're so good at being a stretch for that. Uh, here's all this money. And then they're like, uh, you actually have to do the part of the job where you don't do anything. Now we need you to, we need you to go away. Yeah, they didn't like they yeah. didn't like dehumanize him to the extent that like the Lakers did with Luol Deng. Though. Yeah, that's that's awful. And I want to talk about that in a second. But let's just look real quickly at the Phoenix roster is so weird after this where. Um, so this is their official depth chart has, um, you know, DeAndre Ayton, Tyson Chandler and Rashawn Holmes are their centers pretty deep center rotation uh at power forward they have ryan anderson listed as the starter josh jackson is the backup four which is kind of weird because i thought he was like a shooting guard when they drafted him (laughs) and then uh bender and then at small forward they've got trevor ariza tj warren and uh mikhail bridges uh just like a really loaded front court and their point guards are just uh two rookies People, yeah. and, and and Isaiah Kanan 
And then uh. I guess maybe Devin Booker's <laughs> going to be the point guard. But, like, what, what a weird, lopsided team. Like, I'm I'm glad Trevor Ariza got a bunch of money. But it seems like this, like, small forward was the one position where, like, they're pretty, pretty good. You know, like, they got a, a lottery pick. Uh, TJ Ward seems like he's not that bad. And you would think that the guy they picked fourth in the draft last year might play there, but it's just a really weird team. uh, I I bet they're going to... They're really trying to get a point guard, apparently. Yeah. It just feels like they're playing, like, reverse D'Antoni ball now, where, you know, like, the the Warriors thing was like, well, we'll push Harrison Barnes can play the four, and Draymond Green will play center, and they're getting to the point where they're like, well, maybe Rashawn Holmes can play small forward. I don't know. we got to get him on the court. Well, I think it would make sense if they did like a kind of uh, like a Houston light, like what you're saying, but just had Booker in the Harden role and then surround him with these six, seven small forwards. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really think that Booker would be good at that, though. But um, yeah, might, as, might, might, might as well try it. Yeah. But uh, apparently they were trying to trade for Damian Lillard, which obviously they're places aren't going to trade him i mean not at least now not for what uh, the suns have at least and they tried to trade for kemba walker too yeah that's that's a great thing that the suns did is they made this deal and then immediately uh leaked to the press like you know we actually failed at some trades that would have been better for us <laughs> so welcome to town ryan anderson and terry rogier they're trying to trade for him too, oh, which is right. actually that's actually smart well that but, would have um, that would have made sense but you know, they didn't do it, so like, who cares? It's actually yeah. a waste to try to trade for Terry Rozier because Danny Ainge is never going to trade him. So, like, why even pick up the phone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he why would, not, though? <laughs> he would give up his Chipotle black card to, to get why, a shot. Why would Danny Ainge never trade him? Yeah. Because he, like, never has. Like, they offered him fucking Kawhi Leonard or whatever for... <laughs> Terry Rozier and he wouldn't. They offered him Paul George for Terry Rozier and he wouldn't do it. Yeah, he, and the he, Phoenix Suns don't have anyone as good as Paul George. He's actually legally adopted Terry Rozier, and uh, I believe as a result disowned uh, Tanner Ainge, his son, who was a failed congressional <laughs> candidate in Utah. I mean, he basically disowned him once they signed Gordon Hayward. He like guaranteed his son will never <laughs> hold public office in Utah after that. Uh, you know, I was I was talking to a Warrior fan friend about this weird Phoenix team, and it was like, uh, it feel I, I they said it felt like uh, if the Suns had Draymond Green, they'd be playing him at the two, and then my friend was like, actually, that's what Mark Jackson did when Draymond was a rookie. He'd come in and be like the backup uh, shooting guard. He was a terrible shooter, but. Uh, Anyway, this is it feels very regressive and I think maybe Mark Jackson should come coach this team. I, I hope Mark Jackson gets another coaching job. He's a fun coach. He's not necessarily a good coach. But, but... he's not he's not really that bad a coach either. Like there's certain things that he's He's not that bad, yeah. He's there's... good at certain moments. Yeah. He, and he's, he's a great he's, he's a great person on mic'd up. Like, his segments on Mic'd Up were, like, the best I've ever seen on a coach. You know, he's a good galvanizer. Yeah. That's a rare talent. Well, he's, I, also a, he's also a good spread paranoia throughout the organization, guys. <laughs> yes. 
I wonder, I think he might, well, okay, so one thing that we do know about Mark Jackson and his paranoia is um, our friend Josh Androsky, uh, at Shut Up Androsky on Twitter, give him a follow, uh, his uncle apparently was a shady financial manager who embezzled tons of money from Mark Jackson in the late 90s and early 2000s, and he's been uh, blackmailed by a stripper that he had an affair with, so like... Yes, Mark Jackson is very paranoid, but also he has in his life had some good reasons to believe that people were out to get him. One of my favorite things is when um, uh, Mark Jackson was on the jazz later in his career and he tried to, like, get the team to agree that he should supplant John Stockton. (laughs) (laughs) He tried to he tried to like get the movement going, and everybody's like, "Are you, are you fucking kidding me?" Like, <laughs> I love failed power plays like that, like uh, in um... it's like Succession, Succession NBA edition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Phil, yeah, totally. Well, that, I guess that happened during the 2004 finals when um, I don't know if the Lakers were down like two one, but they were just oh, getting whipped. I, know, by the I, know, I love this story. And so I guess like Rick Fox and Derek Fisher. And I think Kobe came to Phil and we're like, we need to just bring back this old starting lineup that, you know, won all these titles. And Phil Jackson just laughed and was like, no, I'm not playing Rick Fox. Like, it's just it's <laughs> not like, happening, we guys. Gary we're Payton. still going to start Gary Payton. You guys are idiots. Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite shit. God, and I want to Yeah, instead, and still, instead, Phil Jackson waited like another six years to do that, though. <laughs> he started Derek Fisher in the finals <laughs> against the Magic like six years later, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he did. He did. After some, Derek, some, uh... Derek Fisher faked his daughter's eye cancer to get out of Utah. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's, some, that's uh, my like favorite Utah when... Jazz fan conspiracy theory. Yeah. <laughs> will legitimately be like, you think she really had cancer? <laughs> she was that's like some... three years old or something. I think about, um, you know, Lost, you know, the TV show Lost, of yeah. course. Uh, when Jack, they, the first time they do a cutaway to like them being off of the island and like. Yeah, at the end of this season. And it's like the shocking moment. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? And um, Jack has, says, we have to go back. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think about that a lot in terms of, like, NBA teams doing nostalgic bullshit. Like, okay. that's completely what Thibodeau was on with the Timberwolves. It's some definite we have to go back shit. Like, he's like, no, there was meaning there. There was yeah. something. <laughs> like, we have to find out what it was. Like, Well, there's... And that, there's... <laughs> There's an amazing moment when the the Warriors decide that they're going to um, reacquire Chris Webber like 15 years after they traded him, like just so he and Nelly can get closure and he's going to, you know, he's going to join the team and could not play at all anymore. And the Warriors ended up missing the playoffs by like one game as a result of this move. Yeah, it's the most bizarre. one power play that should have happened was on that Magic team that played the Lakers in the finals. Uh, they should have, or Ray for Austin should have tried to keep the starting lineup in the finals and made Jameer come off the bench. Oh, that would have been so tight. They they might have won the series actually. Yeah, I always felt like Jameer Nelson starting after like missing the whole playoffs was 
mess things up for them. And they kind of had, like, like, Rafer Alston for that team, you kind of do just want a guy who's just setting everybody up all the time. And, yeah, uh, and, and throwing cheeky lobs to Dwight Howard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Man, he, they did they did Rafer Alston wrong in Orlando. Yeah. I do think the team that um, a pow- power plays like that constantly work against it is like the Phoenix Suns, where <laughs> where they were like, hey, we got these three point guards that we're all going to have, and then suddenly Goran Dragic like, forced a trade and was in Miami like 24 hours later. And then they were just like, you know what? We're trading Isaiah Thomas too. Like we're the players are in charge. We can't. <laughs> we'll just do whatever you say. They got a huge return on that Dragic trade, and like the fact that they haven't turned that into anything is pathetic. Well, they have all these young. Like they're they're this weird team where they've had all these lottery picks. They don't have that much to show for it. They have tons of young guys, and yet are like also in the luxury tax. And we're the, the worst the funny thing, last year. <laughs> the funny thing about the Suns is, like, first of all, they always get the number four pick yeah. until this year. <laughs> but also that every year at the – whenever, like, the SB Nation or whatever, the draft, like, report cards come out, they always, like, win the draft report cards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, year after year. Like, their best year report card-wise, they got Marquise Chris and Dragon Bender. <laughs> And that's like the worst lottery that any team has had in the last decade. Yeah, getting they, those they guys the, at six and eight. <laughs> it was like it was four and eight, I think. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone was like, "Wow!" Like he totally like draft day the movie did, and like, <laughs> no, it just like did not work out at all. Yeah, and and also like you shouldn't get extra credit for uh, tricking the Sacramento Kings. Like that's not. <laughs> That the, the, you don't get extra credit. That's not an AP class that gets you the extra grade point. Uh, yeah, I mean that's like even now, like when everyone like it seems like a lot of the NBA Twitter people that I follow thought that um, the guy the Mem- uh, Grizzlies got Jaron Jackson uh, is like already better than Aiden, but like still, it's hard for like ESPN or like the Ringer to just come out this early and say we're calling that the Suns fucked up. Uh-huh. And so they still say the Suns, you know, they had the first overall pick, you know, they uh they they got Aiden and that's adequate. That's good. You know, they they uh-huh. didn't uh they didn't swim for the fences so they didn't miss. You know, yeah, they whatever. took the but guy... like they also did though. They <laughs> they messed up. What's his name? Uh Doncic is gonna be the best player in the draft and they missed on him too. So And and their team doesn't have a point guard. That's the other right. important thing. Is like they have two guys on the team that can dribble. Uh, that's like like, and also uh, Bender, the guy you picked in the lottery two years ago, has only been successful at all playing center. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, and he has not really been successful by any other measure playing center. Yeah, and then, yeah, I mean, he's been terrible everywhere else, but. Uh, Alex has Alex Len signed anywhere else yet? Oh that lord, guy also like the number five pick of the draft. That was a love that pick. That was a hill I used to try to die on. I mean, I, I shed a lot of blood on that hill. I'm off it now, but I was like, you guys are being too skeptical about Alex Len. 
Um, I like Alex Lynn because he is the biggest troll to fantasy basketball owners that probably has ever existed. Like, he literally plays every other game for the last two years. Like, he's been healthy, but they just, like, alternate him and Chandler for games at a time. Uh-huh. Like start, like starting pitchers or something? Yeah. But, like, it's not like Alex Lynn will come off the bench the night that Tyson Chandler plays. Like, he just won't play at all. Yeah. it's It seems like the weirdest strategy that they constantly do to their own young players of I mean Bender and Chris played the same position and they picked him in the same lottery but like like you suck if you suck anyway (laughs) why not see if Alex Len can get it together because if he doesn't you'll just get rid of him and it won't matter but yeah they were they were like benching him even though they were tanking which seems so strange that team's really weird they should bring in uh, Diana Taurasi to play point guard. That would be so tight. Oh, that would be great. I think they might as well. She's so she really rules. Uh, she's been like really laying the smack down in the WNBA playoffs. She's apparently like a massive shit talker, right? Oh yeah, it's great. Yeah, like, like in, really tough, real mean and competitive. It's great. Um, Speaking of shit talking, yeah. There's absolutely zero shit-talking so far on HBO's LeBron's The Shop. Let's jump. Uh, or, you know or, as I, or as I call it, The Shoppy. <laughs> the Shoppy. With, with the oldie Shoppy. Yeah, the, um, that was one thing I thought happened in a barbershop. I'm not, look, I'm not going to say I'm familiar with barbershop culture. I'm one of the wider people you're ever going to meet. But that seemed like everyone Nobody, agreed yeah. on everything except yeah, Draymond yeah. Green briefly. Right. Draymond saying, was so saying you don't have to say you don't have to speak up about anything you don't want to. Dude, Draymond like being too excited about his take on LeBron who's sitting right next to him oh. to even, he can't even like stay in his seat. He's like getting out of his chair. Everybody around in the shop is kind of like Calm down, dude. Like, uh, but Le- but Draymond also like worshipped LeBron a little bit on the show, which is mm-hmm. so disappointing. I know, yeah. yeah. It's entertainment. Can LeBron ever come on and say, "I'm the best basketball player playing"? I think you should say that. I think you should believe that, and you should definitely let the world know that. I think Bron over the last four years became LeBron James, and it wasn't nothing to do with winning. It wasn't nothing to do with stats. He found himself. People didn't start to view him as they view him now, until he became that force, that man to say, I'm here. Well, yeah, because he's not only in Nike, he has, doesn't he have like an, und- um, doesn't he have a show with, the, the, like his podcast is on their network? Yeah, on Uninterrupted. Yeah. Wow, I did not know that. Um, I don't know if it's a podcast or if he just like live streams sometimes. But yeah, it feels it feels very weird that Draymond, upon playing LeBron in the, the last four finals, is confidently like, you didn't really become yourself until about five years ago. And then uh, then we really began to respect you, LeBron. Yeah, you had to go through me before you became a man. Uh, <laughs> I got to say, Draymond was like, is felt like he was the guy that was on a more interesting version of what this show would be. Like, right. with, like the only wild barbershop-esque takes were basically from Draymond drinking a giant glass of red wine 
and a wife. That had no wine in it. That had no wine in it. Well, at one point it has a lot in it, and then for the rest of it, it's like just the bottom, and he's swishing it constantly. But he, at one point in that show, Draymond says, a Jew is always going to look out for a Jew. A Chinese man is always going to look out for a Chinese man. And then Jon Stewart makes a joke because it feels uncomfortably racist. And they laugh, and then Draymond just goes back and doubles down and goes, Jews look out for Jews, period. And it felt, like, weirdly anti-Semitic, but then I'm like, but actually Draymond went on, like, a birthright trip to Israel this year, so I think he thinks he's being complimentary, even though he's also kind of... Yeah, well, going to Israel does not mean that you're not an anti-Semite. Yeah. The The entire evangelical, like... Oh, way of life right. is to support Israel but be anti-Semitic. Um, but uh, my comment on that, as the Jewish keen on this podcast, is whether you think uh, what Draymond said is anti-Semitic or not, what Draymond Green said is actually something that you do hear a lot of African-Americans say, which is that us African-American people need to get our shit together like the Jews do because we're getting pushed out of our neighborhoods or whatever. And when Jewish people have to leave an apartment, they post it on these, they post it in their synagogue. And so they sort of keep it in, they keep it in the faith. Us are, we have to do that too. And I think that's really what he's getting at. I I, I think that's kind of fair. Uh, You just didn't really, you know, necessarily house it appropriately, but, but, but like, I'm happy to see that like on the show. But then someone like Jon Stewart or like LeBron James or Michael Bennett, like some one of those guys needs to clarify or push back or do something to to make it a more like fully realized argument and also just to make it a better show. Yeah, I think there were too many people there for way one. too many people because because uh, I I. I it's way too much John Stewart. Way too much John Stewart, who seemed like he was trying to host it. Uh, yeah, he was trying to like moderate it. Uh, Gerard Carmichael's good, but it felt like it was just HBO using guys that already had under contract. Yeah, you know? and like, the funny thing about Gerard is like the first like five shots of Gerard, he looks like he's like he's just seen lebron james for the first time in person and it's like totally yeah. like holy shit it's fucking lebron like it's Draymond green over there like is that obj oh my god it's yeah. obj like what? his eyes are so wide I and then he it... settles into it with like a prepared hamilton bit uh-huh. which another thing which i don't necessarily disagree with but someone in that room should be like yeah but overall it's good for the culture or like yeah. oh you know someone should have some or or pile on but nobody did anything it's yeah, all no, very it positive. Was, it was, and it was it just. This is all affirming. They're all affirming each other. Well, the the other thing I thought was very funny was okay. So a John Stewart over the course of the episode begins subconsciously doing more of a black guy voice for sure. Like <laughs> I it, didn't notice. That. By the That's end, he's though. doing. He's just like, you know, I was I wasn't respecting the game. At the end of these daily show days, you're like, whoa, this is your first time in a barbershop and you're losing your mind. Uh, But also he said, at one point they're talking about Snoop and kissing his ass, like, you know, fine. Uh, Oh, my God, But he says, I I appreciate that Snoop doesn't follow the wind. 
like the the artistic integrity of Snoop, and it's like, didn't he say he was becoming like Snoop a Lion. reggae artist? Yeah, like like how is that not following the like he has a cooking show with Martha Stewart, and and John Stewart's just like you do what you want. You're an artist, you know. You didn't follow the wind. You 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 stuck your neck out and you made Starsky and Hutch. And so nobody rags on him in that moment. No. Like that's you can playfully rag on the guy for being Snoop Lion. Like yeah. you don't have to. Just, we'll see. Like you're saying, it's very <laughs> affirming. But like, we'll see. Maybe it'll happen in a later episode. We don't know. Yeah, I, I, it's right. we don't I, know I what's going to happen. It has to get better. It has to get better. Yeah, I still enjoyed I, it, but uh, I like the plot. I like the part where they talked about um, LeBron. All, like never hanging out with white people until he was fourteen, and then hanging out with all like being at high school with all white people. I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, but yeah, d- d- it's I, interesting, but it wasn't really like complicated either. Is it was it, the whole show is very like food for the soul kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, it, 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 there's not really anything challenging about it for most people on NBA Twitter who would watch it and maybe the shows for a broader audience, but like also who else really wants to watch it? You know, I think you just need to wait it out. It's been one episode, but I, I, if for no other reason than just watching LeBron James swear a lot, uh, (laughs) I I like this. I think it's legitimately radical to like, to be LeBron James and then like sit in a chair and, and swear a lot and talk about, when you started trusting white people and well, stuff this, like that, even this, this, even if it's not the very discursive and sort of intense, you know, quote unquote barbershop experience that you're expecting it to be. It's also, I yeah, I mean, the whole thing also feels like uh, a total LeBron James heat check that he's like, I'm in L.A. I'm just making this show where we go in a barbershop. And in fact, even though I'm famous for being secretly bald and having a terrible hairline, I'm still going to set it in a barbershop. Like, that's that's like the ultimate fuck you to his haters. I yeah, I don't it's... think it's a good reason for him to go to the Lakers just so he can make a TV show where he can curse all the time. It made me feel like he was not, and even, even in the course of the show, he sort of talks about not being as motivated to practice and stuff, and it it did make me feel like Maybe LeBron is not going to have the same kind of killer instinct on the Lakers. No, he's definitely. Not. <laughs> what kind of bullshit is that? I'm just saying. I'm killer just saying, instinct. Well, I'm just saying. All is he does not seem like he's the same kind of. They they were talking the way they were talking about him, and he was talking about himself. Was like this is I've climbed the mountain. You know, oh, let me, my, like I'm let not going to kill myself you. for championships anymore. Let me see if I'm interpreting you correctly. Are you yeah. saying that? LeBron James doesn't have mama mentality. <laughs> yes. And Here actually, we go. I spray painted that on four murals so far this summer. I'm planning uh, oh, to get tight. a few more. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's just, it was weird that he was talking so much about wanting to inspire people and not really that much about, I mean, I guess the show's not really about basketball, but uh, I don't know. It, it did not it did not feel like the project for a man who is swinging for the fences to beat the warriors this year which i guess is also you know oh no i mean i i like that i don't know i i think it's cool it kind of makes him more interesting for sure 
yeah. Oh, the other thing, the other thing on the show that bothered me a little bit was the amount of time that guys were sitting in barber chairs wearing baseball caps at the same time. When it was like, <laughs> all right, we <laughs> this is for continuity reasons, but uh, Draymond was the only one who appeared to receive like an actual haircut. Yeah, but it looked like Draymond had like a gash yeah. on his forehead. Yeah, what Did was see that? that all about? Like, like large and I don't remember him having like a forehead scar. Yeah, it did kind of feel like like maybe he'd gotten too heated and the barber like nicked him somehow. Just <laughs> waving his wine glass around, yelling about how Vietnamese people sell each other discounted electronics. I don't know. I'm just trying to think what other racial hot takes he's going yeah. to come up with. Yeah. Also, I think, I think, the, I think the, from the, the credits... Draymond should always be on. Yeah. I just think they that he They should just has, make it Draymond's the shop. Yeah. He yeah. Has that, he's the only one where I'm like, ooh, something, something fucked up might happen here, you know? Yeah. There's, like, there's a little bit of dynamite in the room, and we're throwing, <laughs> we're throwing matches around. Well, they... And uh, <laughs> that's what I like about Draymond. He He also starts from the you know, platitudes uh, angle a lot. But the difference with him is, like, he's willing to get off of that and talk about anything else if he's challenged. Mm-hmm. Like, so all really these guys different... are so heavily coached with PR right. that, like, for them to be kind of, like, spontaneous and let their guard down is, like, asking a lot, except That's... for Draymond Green. Yeah, exactly. That's what makes Draymond pure. But... They're, so they're going to be different people every time they do their show, right? And is it weekly? Like, how often are they going to be doing this? Yeah, I think there's one tonight. They're, oh, uh, that's good. I want to watch it. Um, they should never have Jon Stewart on again. I think, yeah, it felt like they they were, like, worried about needing a host to direct the conversation or something. And, again, still under contract to HBO. Like, I think where's, he's, like, three years in and hasn't really produced anything for the network. We're I was so disappointed with the Larry David. Eh. I was so disappointed with that. With what? When with when uh, he's like Jews, like what did he say? Like Jews protect Jews or whatever. Oh, and like, doing was like, the, like like the Larry David thing. Like, come on, dude. <laughs> yeah, d- I didn't. I was. It's like it's like the worst. It's like the worst representation of Jewish people. Well, and he, uh, he eventually start, he just immediately starts doing this voice, and it's like, all right, dial it back, uh, yeah. dude. Larry David should go on the shop. I would love to see Larry David That'd on the shop. So That's funny. the right kind of attitude to have. They have to, yeah. they have to bring him. on people who are like, ed- like legitimately like edgy, like Draymond and shit. Otherwise, it like will swiftly become like athlete version of comedians in cars getting coffee. Well, yeah, because yes, because yes, it feels weird because. You know, like Gerard Carmichael is a really funny guy, but what's he supposed to do except like prepare bits? Yeah, like, is he supposed to shit talk LeBron James? He's not like he's not really famous enough to do that exactly, and it's LeBron's show. But uh, yeah, a significant well, portion of the audience was didn't probably didn't know who Gerard Carmichael was, and they didn't really introduce him. And he's wearing a hat. He was also wearing. Um, I really liked his sweater, and then I realized it was like my dad's favorite sweater from the late 80s was when he was wearing that kind of white <laughs> cable knit thing, and I was like, hell, knit, yeah. hell yeah, Gerard. Uh, <laughs> it was interesting watching It was interesting watching this show in sync with the Blake Griffin roast. Mm-hmm. 
because what they have in common is like both are just vehicles for the athlete or the star to like present a a version of them that like they'd like to be like their defining image like Blake kind of wants to be like the funny guy's funny guy you know he's Mm -hmm. not just a funny athlete he's a funny dude and like he's willing to like get laughed at when in reality he's like the most sensitive prick in the NBA (laughs) And and in the show they didn't even talk about like his most like vulnerable thing which is all of his like uh alimony shit oh where he's like paying 270 grand a month or whatever to the mom of his two kids mm-hmm. and that didn't come up well like they'll, I, they'll, talk, they'll like make fun of him for kendall jenner but that's like but other stuff is like a no-go i wonder if i wonder if that was like officially off the table because i remember um i'm well, sure it was apparently yeah. the donald trump roast they were just forbidden to say he wasn't as rich as he claimed to be <laughs> like yeah I'm sure. and, and, and honestly jeff ross i would you what? be surprised if jeff ross also has some sort of alimony shit that he doesn't want to be talking oh, about sure. i mean i think it's it's funny having seen the live show how much just like independent people are doing like political opposition research against their opponents <laughs> <in> these things <laughs> and the blake griffin one is like eh, only publicly available stuff and uh making fun of him for things he's doesn't really care about um yeah do you think he would have been like this if he had if he had not ended up in los angeles yeah yeah he's just, probably he's just like you mean, this. what do you mean ended up like this like like was he like a funny guy in college or did he happen to go to Clipper games and like, you know, get contacted by funny or die or something like that? You know, do you remember? There was a very, it's, yeah, he was ahead. with Baron Davis this whole rookie year. That's right. And, um, God, he could have been with Kyrie. That would have been an interesting team. Uh, yeah, but like, okay. So like Harrison Barnes in San Francisco would, actually be going to comedy clubs and stuff all the time like his instagram was full of like here's me and bill burr and like not even necessarily (laughs) seeing like the famous guys just being like you know great show great show from uh jen kirkman just uh great writing uh checking it out um but but blake i'm not sure if he i mean he's he's good at it he's he's definitely much better at telling jokes than most athletes um, he's, he's funny. He's a funny person. Yeah, he's funny, and his Kia commercial started out really funny, and then became way less funny when they got an actual comedian to be in them. Oh yeah, yeah. When they got Jack McBriar, that was like when I knew that the Clippers Lob City era was not going to turn into anything. <laughs> I was like, we couldn't keep the momentum going with the commercials, so like we just can't keep the momentum going with the actual team. And that's yeah. exactly what happened. And I feel like the I feel like the the Cliff Paul stuff was also very similar in that way. Oh, yeah. It was very hard to sustain it. It was. It's honestly an extremely troubling story behind those commercials, too. Like, like just staggering hospital incompetence and separating. Two identical two strangers. Tw- yeah, just, just off. Like, Cliff Paul just... And, and all Chris Paul's effort to help him is, like, you know, helping him sell insurance to his basketball teammates. But... But he's an awful client too, because DeAndre Jordan's constantly like wrecking his cars and house. It's terrible. 
The hilarious thing is, like, you know DeAndre was pissed about, like, not being in the State Farm commercials. So they convinced him to come back, like, on the condition that he would be in them. And then they made him the mom, and he had to, like, get up and drag. Uh-huh. God, that... I'm sure that's, like, the ultimate last laugh for Chris Paul. <laughs> Do you, you guys... know DeAndre hated that shit. Do you remember a very briefly lived, like, comedy bit, like, webisodes show that, like, Blake and Chris Paul did together? It was called, like, the Blake and Chris show or something. I do remember that, and I think they must have... Lewis, you probably... You're a Clipper fan, right? I don't I don't remember this. Wow. Well, it just seems like the the honeymoon period of Chris Paul and Blake Griffin, like, it seems like they began to dislike each other very early on. But initially, the show is called yeah. BGCP3TV in HD. Oh, yes. I do remember that. I mean, it wasn't uh, good. Okay, you know what I tried to look up the other day, but I can't find anywhere? It's been scrubbed from the internet. The Miami Heat Fan Up video. What is that even? Okay, so Miami Heat got LeBron James... Chris Bosch and Dwayne Wade on the same team. But the problem was that their fans were Miami fans. They were notorious for leaving games early, for not knowing when to cheer, oh, doing yeah. a white stripe song during the second quarter. Uh, and just, you know, when Ray Allen hit that shot in the finals, there was a video of all those fans like clamoring to get back in the arena, which is hilarious. <laughs> leaving game six of the, of the NBA finals early, like for what reason? Uh, and. So the Miami Heat organization introduced this thing called like Fan Up, and it was this campaign where that was that sought to like teach fans to be better fans. So it was like get to games at six o'clock, and oh we'll give you like a free T-shirt, or uh-huh. like we'll, free, we'll give you like you know free face paint or some shit like that. And then they, it was this whole thing, and it was. Uh, it was it was crystallized by this fan up video, which was like ridiculed, obviously on Twitter uh, and online in general. And uh, it, that video has been scrubbed from the internet completely, and now you can only sort of find you can find some like PDFs of like what the posters were like. Like real fans do this, and like real fans, like my or like Miami fans do this, and uh, and it was under this fan up campaign. And I've been trying to dig it up, but there are these there are these like weird remnants of like mid 2000s NBA basketball or like even like 2010 uh-huh. that is that have just like disappeared and like you can't find I mean the most I, go ahead I just want to give a shout to good job good effort kid mm-hmm. yes good job good effort shouts to him he he really he was ahead of his time I think actually there's um he would do, he would do well on the shop Oh yeah, they brought that kid in. That should yeah. be like some random, like mix it up. Get Casey Sager in like, there talking shit about like, people. Uh, he'd be like, <laughs> "Nice shoe, nice shoes, nice cut." <laughs> what if they, um, what if they used the shop as like they you like they put Louis C.K. on the shop, and oh, then my. everyone just goes at Louis C.K. and they just like shame him, and then eventually he gets like kicked out of the shop. That would be great. He gets nothing out of it. He gets nothing out of it. I guess that would still be a kind of rehabilitation, but like, 
I could it could see, be entertaining. I could just see seeing Louis... like Draymond Green making fun of him for like whacking off in front yeah. of strangers. And yeah, and like he's that. like, I put a, I put my dick on the internet, but that was a Snapchat. It was a consensual DM, Louis C.K. <laughs> you know, Louis C.K. would start talking about whether he could use the N word or not in the shop too. They should get, they should get Trump in the shop. Oh my God, Trump just getting roasted, and he'd have to be wearing his hat, right? Because once, it, like the the MAGA hat goes on. Um, one of my favorite things about Trump is when you'll see him uh, coming back to the White House and it's like really dark, but he had a rally like seven hours earlier and he can't ever take the hat off once it's gone on because his hair, he's so crazy bald with that insane comb over. So it's like in a suit and it's like, oh my God, he's had this hat on for 10 hours in a oh. in a limo or whatever. I'm really looking forward to Steve Bannon going on the shop. Oh, Steve Bannon on the shop. I would love that. Um, they should. I would like. I think Tony Parker would be interesting on the shop because I think people would really dislike him, and he's French, and he'd probably try to talk about hip hop or something. He seems like he has inspired a lot of people to to dislike him pretty actively. Uh, a more sincere, serious suggestion. I think that. Uh, Colin Kaepernick will probably go on the shop at some point. Oh, that makes sense. That would yeah. be good. I would actually like that. You know yeah. what I don't want to see on the shop? Is any more complaining about how hard it is to be a professional athlete? <laughs> which they 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 strayed into a little bit on this show. Uh-huh. Where OBJ was like, it's like we're animals in a zoo. And like, dude, I've heard that so many times. But if you're trying to limit your exposure, just don't go on HBO TV shows. Then. Don't yeah. start your own show. Like... You know, he's he's like he sets up a controlled environment for him to complain about fans and yeah. like, dude, this is like what makes you so high paid. I don't. I, I, Doesn't that he... and if they that and if they start talking about who's on your Mount Rushmore of NBA, I'm out. Oh, that's I'm totally out on that. That's boring. There's like there are all these like tropes of athlete hosted podcasts, mm-hmm. and whenever they appear on the shop, it's going to be very disappointing. The other thing that I'm curious about seeing is if they have anyone who's, like, slightly problematic, like a black athlete who's, like, slightly pro- – like, uh, this this guy's extremely problematic, but, like, would they have Jameis on the shop? Probably yeah. not. But, like, what if they did? And then what would the discourse be? Right. Yeah, isn't, Derek, isn't that – Derek, Derek Rose probably could go on the shop, actually. That's, yeah. Mm-hmm. It seems like he and, he and LeBron did not dislike each other necessarily or as much as anyone Uh-oh. dislikes like- Derek Rose. Yeah, they actually like each other. It's interesting because LeBron does not seem to have that many outright enemies. Uh, Like mainly they're in like the sports media, but in the NBA itself, it was like uh, he seemed to kind of have an aggressive rivalry with Paul Pierce, but that was also kind of one-sided, and it was mainly like the Celtics, not so much Pierce. So yeah, there's not he does Dan Gilbert. Dan Gilbert should be on the shop. Dan oh, Nick Gilbert in the that shop. That would be good. Yeah, Dan and Nick Gilbert. And at the end, it turns out that uh, they actually got a, a shady mortgage on the shop. And so Dan Gilbert's going <laughs> to try to repossess it. I, I would watch them have Dan Gilbert on the shop, like, very happily. Because I, I won't I won't go as far to say as that, that LeBron and... Dan Gilbert have more in common than either is willing to admit, but I do think Gilbert and 
LeBron are both uh, very serious businessmen. And uh, I think it would be interesting to hear them talk about like empire building. Uh, they should have uh, Elon Musk on the shop. Elon Musk oh, on God. the shop. Oh, that'd be so good. Phil Jackson should definitely be on the shop. Yeah, that would be good. And he'd just be super high, too. So, like, you, you can't, like, get to Phil. Another good one that's actually probably going to happen, Dave Chappelle. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I he think do, he, he, can do it. he might he might have a non-compete with his Netflix thing, but I, I think Dave can probably do whatever he wants. Oh, boy. I'm do you think like this eight... show can be better than Area 21 on TNT, which I... is another controlled environment uh, product, but is substantially better than just the first episode, which... I like much, but... Area 21 a lot, actually. Yeah, me too. Uh, I just like Kevin Garnett a lot. I think KG is is very real too on that I show. Was, like I, he's not yeah. that he's not super filtered because he's like KG isn't interested in building any brands or like other ventures. He just wants to get really hyped up about everything. Yeah, like uh, apparently he punched a hole in the wall uh, during it, watching an episode of Making the Band. I think. <laughs> Because <laughs> he gets so excited about it. Uh, yeah, he's very pure. When he and Rashid Wallace are both on Area 21, that's I feel like I... that's the best. So yeah, he, he just gets he gets great guests. I mean, he gets Sheed, but he also got like Bobby Sora or whoever, you know. Or no, he got Ricky Davis. But those guys are kind of the same in my mind. When oh, there was an early episode where it was Sheed and Kevin Garnett, and I was falsely under the impression that. That was just the whole show. It was just the two of them, uh-huh. and I was infinitely more excited about it than I am now. But it's still good. I just well, when they have it like other guests, yeah, it should just always be. She should be on every episode. He's well, incredible. You know what I learned yeah. about Rashid Wallace uh, yesterday? So I'm doing. I'm putting together a thing about the best NBA players who are in the Hall of Fame, and uh, I wanted to see the leaders in technical fouls because I knew it was, I know it's Carl Malone, Charles Barkley and Sheets three, but it's mostly hall of famers on the list. And so if you type, uh, if you put technical fouls into the search box on basketball reference, it just sends you to Rashid's page. <laughs> like it doesn't no search results. It's just like you, this is who you're talking about. It's Sheed. So who are the best players who didn't make the hall of fame? Uh well, well let's go through a couple of them I'll do you, like we'll do like quick hits Chris Webber I think Chris Webber's pr- a pretty clear yeah. Hall of Famer I don't know why he doesn't make like I I looked up his page how long does it usually take after somebody retires five years I mean he's, five years. he's definitely eligible because he has not played in like ten years I think yeah I think two thousand eight was it he was so good yeah and like, his numbers are insane I'm like I pulled up his page yesterday. I have it up right now. His he averaged twenty for like fifteen consecutive years, basically. And yeah, and he was like a great passer. He was on really memorable teams, and he, you know, went to the the final his two years in college. Like, yeah. he's famous. He's famous. He should be in the Hall of Fame. Like, it's the people who make the Hall of Fame like. A statistical like dick measuring contest like totally missed the point. Yeah, not just of the Hall of Fame, but like of fucking sports. Fab, the Fab Five were like the second most famous basketball team of the nineties. 
Yes. Yeah. And like incredibly influential and yeah, I mean Chris Webber was already making all-star teams when he was on Washington and then was like you know, probably a top 5 NBA player in like 2001, 2002. Anyway, he seems like a slam dunk. The other guy that seems very obviously a Hall of Famer is uh, Ben Wallace. Oh, my man. Because he, like, won a title. I think he was Defensive Player of the Year, like, four times. Uh, He's also, like, super memorable. Like, two extremely distinct hairstyles that he would wear alternately. He was, like, a 6'7 center that was the best defensive player in the league. Uh I, I don't understand why he's not in the Hall of Fame already, actually. Because if they put him in, they have to put in Ron Artest, and Artest should definitely be in there, too. Um, Big Ben and Rashid going to China together was the best thing that ever happened. I don't know if you guys saw wait, that wait, going they on. They went to China together? Yeah, there was a hashtag. For, they were just, anytime they would take a picture, it's like, hashtag Ben and Rashid go to China. And it's <laughs> these pictures of them, like, all dressed up, doing, like, dip, diplomatic shit. Um, and it's fucking rules. Yeah. Um, but also, I just want to make it uh, really clear. Um, yeah, just do search hashtag Ben and Sheed go to China. It's amazing. Okay. Um, but I think we can all agree that Ben Wallace is a big mood. Definitely. Yeah, I think that, I think that's right. Man. So is World Peace, though. He's he's very. Oh, yeah. That's a that's a controversial mood, but yeah. I would say, in general, looking at these guys, the Basketball Hall of Fame uh, does not really credit dudes who are really good defenders because um, of the list, it's like Sidney Moncrief should definitely be in the Hall of Fame, and he was Defensive Player of the Year twice, and like you know, he's like an All Star five times. He's on a really good team. Uh, Bobby Jones, the old Sixer guy, probably should be in the Hall of Fame. Who's like? Another that the consistent theme is these guys that are really great wing defenders kind of don't seem like they're getting enough credit. Like Rasheed Wallace, same deal. Although he didn't even make all defensive teams when he was playing, and I kind of thought he was generally considered to be one of the best defenders. Guys well, with great with guys with like one elite skill that makes them memorable, uh-huh. or like a great nickname should just or or even a great moment should make the hall of fame if you're a big mood you should be in the hall of fame nick nick van exel hall of fame uh, did he have great numbers no is he was he nick the quick absolutely did jerry I... sackhouse he's hard as fuck he'll probably make it as a as a head coach yeah also one more thing with weber yeah it's the basketball hall of fame it's not even the nba hall yeah. of fame so he should make it on college grounds anyway yeah um fucking christian Leitner's in the hall of fame Christian Leitner's in the Basketball Hall of Fame? And I think Chris so. Chris Webber isn't? Jesus Christ. Uh, Arenas? Arenas should be in the Hall of Fame? Arenas is an interesting Spreewell. one. Spreewell. Spreewell uh, in? Another obvious guy that isn't in is uh, Sean Kemp. Oh, yeah. He seems what? like he seems like he well, should. because he made the NBA Finals so randomly. Yeah. It's that. <laughs> well, and, and he basically got moved <laughs> from the Sonics just because he wanted like a fair contract and it sort of like ruined his career arc to a certain degree. Like, like there was no reason for them to ever really break up the Peyton Kemp combination. It was just that, you know, the owner 
signed. Like Sean Kemp was like the fifth highest paid player on the '97 Sonics or whatever. Him um, not making the Hall of Fame is just an elaborate fat shaming. Oh, and yeah. He's like the greatest dunker of all time. Maybe the second. I would say that probably the second greatest dunker of all time. Yeah. He should be he's in the, the Hall of Fame. I would he's say probably his, the go ahead. biggest mood of the entire 90s. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I think I think his nickname does not help him because his nickname was the Rain Man, but it was R-E-I-G-N and like kind of too complicated of a pun. It was too complicated. Yeah. It and, also confused about what that word meant for yeah my life. you're like wait he's so is he's the king he's the rain man and yeah um, it actually like made me ignorant uh, how did that become his name how did that how did like that spelling become his nickname hey guys i think it was probably involved like an elaborate poster where he was like a weatherman or like there was golden rain fall. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was that era of, uh, I don't, I can't weather remember. reporting. What, what's the name of those, those poster making guys? Fathead. It was, but do you know what I'm talking about? Lewis, you might be too oh, young. I know. No, I'm way I'm, too young. Yeah. About, like, but like, ones. yeah, there used to be a Kevin Mitchell, Will Clark one that was Pacific sock exchange. And, uh, Jerry Rice had one where he had like golden gloves and yeah, just these very uh, high concept action movie style. Yeah. So I'm Stockholm sure there was brothers? one that said the rain. Man. You know, the nineties is a weird ground for like nicknames that didn't take off. Speaking of Latrell Sprewell, I have an old poster of Sprewell where it says Sprewell and um, it, it has his very short term nickname, the landlord. On it. It's the uh, the bro- the Costacos brothers. Costacos brothers. I wanted to. Yeah. Uh, anyway, and in the bottom it says "Time to pay the rent," and it's like <laughs> I was a Warriors fan. No one called him the landlord. I can't remember <laughs> that ever happening. All right, guys. My um, technological capability to proceed is uh, nearing its end. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we should we should wrap up anyway. Yeah. There's no. I just I just want to say that. There's a bunch of small mood motherfuckers deciding who goes into the Hall of Fame. It's a very good point. And and we shouldn't let it be that way. Well, Darko we, Milicic should be in the Hall of Fame. Worldwide absolutely. West. Worldwide uh, West. Internet celebrity should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Tom ben, Chambers. Ben Gordon. Ben Gordon, Hall of Fame. Uh, good job, good effort. <laughs> Hall of Fame. Uh, Glenn Rice should definitely be in the Hall of Fame. And I think the Sarah Palin factor puts him over the top. Well, he's got to go on the Glenn Rice has to go on the shop to talk about Sarah Palin. Uh, Jack Sigma. One thing I, I learned about Jack Sigma that was amazing was that, uh, like, the 70s NBA was so weird and rinky-dink. Uh, at some point in the uh, 79 finals, the Sonics had to play a game in, in the Kingdom because their normal home was tied up with a mobile home show, and the NBA couldn't get around that. Uh, and that finals was also played in a one two two one one format, which is uh oh the other guy I wanted to mention is old old uh there's some old dudes where you're like, Oh, this guy made like seven all star teams. What happened? Why isn't he in the Hall of Fame? And it was like, Well, because there wasn't a shot clock yet, so his career points look like ridiculous. You're like, Why why is this guy who had like 11 points a game in the all-star game. And it's like, well, because each game would be like 31 to 28. So is uh, Sabonis in the hall of fame? 
I think he is, yeah. Alright, that's good. Uh Rick yeah. Smith Rick Smith should be in there. There's a dude named Larry Costello who uh made the All Star team a bunch for the Knicks, but when he was in college, um he played a whole six overtime game and he played sixty nine minutes in it, and for the rest of his basketball career he wore number sixty nine on the team to honor that. And I was like, Santa College, they were way ahead of their time, man. Uh, all right, that's all the, the – I think I think we don't need to – there's no other real news we need you to address. Uh, oh, the other thing I liked was that J.R. Smith got a, a, a ticket for – like a fan t- tried to take a picture of him, and he took their phone and threw it into a construction site. Oh, shit. And so he got filed with a criminal mischief ticket, and J.R.'s lawyer said, this is nonsense, and we're not going to respond to nonsense. Which is wow. pretty great. Who is J.R. Smith's lawyer? I want to meet that guy. I know because he's because that's like what you say when someone's making like a frivolous lawsuit. But he's actually talking about the NYPD. It's awesome. Nice. Good job. All right, uh, good talk, everyone. All right, good talk. Hey, uh, do you want to plug anything, guys? I just want to say everybody got to keep your moods big, man. Yeah, a lot of heat coming out. Just stay tuned. Watch this space for more info. Uh, what? Where they follow? Where can they find you guys? They can follow me at at this Lewis underscore uh-huh. yeah. L O U I S. Yep, at, at John Wilmes Word. You know, this where the this where it all fucking goes down. Can people come <laughs> audit your class? Yeah, yeah. Uh, show up um, uh, Roosevelt University uh, Auditorium Building um, Mondays and Wednesdays, uh, uh, starting at eleven a.m. Uh, eighth, no sixth floor. So yeah, check USC out. USC RGL one hundred one. Tuesdays, two to three fifty p.m. Great. And, uh, yep. Yep. Uh, I'm gonna have a piece about the Hall of Fame, and then a piece about uh, Jason Kidd and Grant Hill coming out this week. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Frankie Muniz. Where last week I tweeted, "I'm seven hours into a ten day cleanse, and I'm already miserably starving." So check that out. Oh, I didn't realize that was you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've uh, got a good career. All right. Thanks for being on the show, guys. Uh, trust the process. Enjoy the pool. Yeah, shut it down. Let's get engaged in Michigan. Any breaking news there? Do you have anything to report to us? Yes. uh, The breaking news from here is that no matter what the Knicks do, they will suck for my entire life. You grew up loving them? I don't know if that's come. Is that? I don't know if you want to put that on you the lower ticker. That. Yeah, that word has been cleared. That's that's like 2008. Right. I think it's cleared end. only for the Knicks. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's, it can only be used in context of the New York Knickerbockers. That was kind of a tough thing to watch. I mean, so much respect for Phil. Won all those rings everywhere, but it, it just didn't work this time. Well, when you're pulling a long-term practical joke on a fan base, <laughs> you really have to set it up in a very complicated way. And I think the only way you could do that is you bring in arguably the greatest coach in the history of basketball to save your franchise not coach it sort of coach it fall asleep a couple of times during workouts and then draft a kid from france tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts good news ad free listening is available on amazon music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your prime membership Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.